Amen, amen, amen. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher, the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth, and I am totally, completely confident in his ability to work through earthen vessels such as myself. Thank you for giving me utterance and giving your people understanding in this day accomplishing the purpose for this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 right. Okay, open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, and uh, we're going to be speaking to you uh, from that passage, beginning at verse 14, in which Jesus sends a letter to the church of Laodicea. Now, why am I speaking on this? And I want you to listen. As I was praying in the spirit and just waiting upon the Lord, a picture flashed on the screen of my mind, and it was a picture of nothing but snow and ice, nothing else, just ice and snow. I don't know where it came from, I believe, because I wasn't thinking, but as I was praying in the spirit, it came. So I decided to, wait a minute, don't just ignore that, ponder it, pray, ask the Lord what he may be wanting to say to me or through me. And uh, as I did so, then another picture flashed on the screen of my mind, and many times that's how God speaks to us, by the way. Uh, and this time it was, it was fire, but it was not wildfire, it was fire that was under control. Fire that was, that was serving a useful purpose. And then I pondered that, I said, Lord, okay, ice, snow, fire, what are you saying? And then he brought to me the passage that we're about to preach on from Luke, I mean from Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And you will see that in that passage as we read it, Jesus said, I wish you were cold or hot, not lukewarm. And today I want you to hear that because I believe God was speaking to me as an individual, but God was also speaking to our church. And so hear what I say to you this morning as a word from Christ to you as an individual, a word from Christ to me as your pastor, a word from Christ to us as a congregation. I would that you were either cold or hot. But as it is, you are lukewarm. And I don't like for my people to be lukewarm. It really, really disturbs me when my people as individuals or my church as a body is lukewarm. It's nauseating to me. Lukewarmness is nauseating. I don't like it. Now, that was the same message he sent to the church of Laodicea. There were seven churches that he sent different messages to them. But he sent this to the church of Laodicea, and I believe he's speaking that to me, he's speaking that to you as an individual, he's speaking that to us as a church. So we're going to read, and I'm going to use the revelation that he has given me out of this text to help us better understand what that entails and what the Lord would have us to do in Jesus' name. Are you ready? So if you haven't turned to, if you have a Bible, you can do that, but you can certainly look on the screen and follow us as well. So we begin in verse 14. And in verse 14, the passage reads, and everybody read it together, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. Now, the angel of the church or the messenger of the church, or just about all biblical scholars, believe that these seven quote-unquote angels or messengers were actually the pastors of the church. So God was sending a message 
to the church. He didn't speak to each one individually. He spoke to the pastor and said, now you're the pastor, I've made you the under shepherd, you're the one I've entrusted oversight to of my people. And here is what I want you to tell them. Deliver this message to them on my behalf. All right? And so I want you to see the very important role that other shepherds and pastors have. Okay? Yes, Jesus deals with all of us individually. All of us have the Holy Spirit, and he leads us. He doesn't only speak to the pastor. But when it comes to dealing with the church, especially in these kinds of matters, Jesus recognizes the role of the under-shepherd into whose hands he has entrusted tremendous responsibility. And those of us who accept this responsibility need to understand how serious that responsibility is. Amen? And so that's one of the reasons uh, the scripture says don't be in a hurry to be a teacher or, or because you're going to be held accountable. So... I or anyone who's a pastor, who's accepted that, and who has a genuine call from God, was called from by God. And he needs to take very seriously the role because he must give an account. Amen. So pray for us who are in this position. Okay, our responsibility is huge, but thank God for grace and mercy. All right? But at the same time, it's important that you also recognize the role that God has entrusted to under shepherds. And don't treat that office lightly. Pray for us that we might be faithful so that when we deliver God's word or we counsel you, we counsel you according to the mind of God. Okay? So he sent this message. He sent it to the, to the angel, the messenger of the church. And he said, right now, if you observe in each of the seven letters, Jesus would introduce himself a different way. He would describe himself a different way. And it seems to me that the way he describes himself points to what is often lacking in the church or what the church needs to see him as in order for them to become what he wants them to be. All right? So to this lukewarm church, he says... I'm the amen, I'm the faithful, I'm the truth witness, I'm the beginning, in some translation would make it, I'm the ruler of the creation of God. So that's how he introduces them himself. So listen, lukewarm people need to know he's faithful. Lukewarm people need to know that he's the true witness. Lukewarm people need to know that he's the ruler over creation. Hallelujah. So Lord, open my eyes. Let me see that you are the Amen that you are the faithful and true witness and that you're the beginning and the ruler of the creation of God. Establish this truth in my mind and in my heart that I might not be lukewarm. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Let's continue to read. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will... Now, let me tell you, that's not loss of salvation. Okay? He's not saying if you're, not, if, you're, if, you're not, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to send you to hell. Okay? So don't worry about it. If you're saved and you receive Jesus Christ, you're not going to hell because you're lukewarm. Now, he's, he, he's telling you right now, I don't like it. It's nauseating to me. And then by the, time we got, by the time we get to the end of the message, he says, whosoever I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So the very message that he's giving is one of rebuke and discipline to a people he loves. Say, Jesus loves me. You see, when he's rebuking us, and he's disciplining us with his word, are you hearing me? And telling us how he feels about our behavior is not because he doesn't love us, it's because he loves us that he's rebuking us and he's disciplining us. He's not threatening you who he loves, he will send you to hell. Thank God for Jesus. 
Say, Jesus, you love me. And for this reason, you rebuke me, you discipline me, and you let me know how you feel about some of the things I do. Any mother, father here loves his or her child, but sometimes you just let them have it. <laughs> you're not doing this in my house. You know, no, 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 no. If you want to think, if you think you're man, go, go and, go and get your, leave. <laughs> but you're not throwing them out of your family, right? They're not ceasing. You just, you love them and you don't like their behavior and you're correcting them. And so this is what Jesus is doing to them. Hey, we need to hear because Jesus is speaking to us. There may be something about my behavior he doesn't like. There may be something about your behavior he doesn't like, and he's seeking because he loves you to say, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. That has to stop. Enough is enough. Turn to your neighbor. There's some things that may have to stop. All right? So Jesus says, Go back to where we were, please. You're neither cold nor hot. Now, I am lukewarm. Now, now when, you hear, when you hear that and you say, Jesus say, I would rather you being cold, icy cold. I think for some of us, the initial reaction would be, wait a minute, why would Jesus prefer that I be cold wouldn't he prefer, wouldn't it be better for me to at least be lukewarm? You see, but this is where, this is where context and history can help you understand what he's saying. Have you ever gone to Starbucks coffee and offer lukewarm tea? Mm, lukewarm, anybody, who goes to Starbucks and says, I want some lukewarm tea or some lukewarm coffee? If you are, you're strange. Is that Hannibal raising his head? <laughs> But, the, but, the, but, but hey man, you don't order lukewarm tea. You, you order iced tea or iced coffee or hot tea or hot coffee. In fact, when I taste lukewarm tea, I really want to do what? So in this case, being cold is a good thing. Being hot is a good thing. Being lukewarm, seriously, if I when I taste lukewarm tea, I simply want to spit it out. And that's exactly the image that Jesus is using to communicate to them how distasteful their lukewarmness is to him. Hmm? So church, if, I'm, if, if, if I, I need to look at myself as a pastor and say, are you a lukewarm pastor? If you are, it's distasteful to Jesus. And as a believer, a child of God, you need to ask yourself, am I lukewarm? If I am, it is distasteful to Jesus. As a congregation, are we lukewarm? If we are, it's distasteful. And, 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 and so the fact that he brought this to me and, and has led me to speak this word tells me that some of us, I wouldn't say all of us, but enough of us for him to want me to bring this word, enough of us are lukewarm. And he, because he loves you, he's rebuking you. Because he loves, loves you, he's disciplining you with his word. How many of you know you can discipline and correct with your word? Now, if you continue to ignore the word of discipline, then sometimes there has to be some other things that may have to be added to the discipline. You see, uh, they used to say, a small boy doesn't hear, he will feel. You, 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 some of you might be, if you don't hear, you will feel. So after I talk to you once or twice for your own good, if you won't listen, then I may have to increase the discipline. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to, you know, hurt you so you got to go to the doctor. I'm not going to kill you, no car accident. Uh, no, but I may just have to apply some additional pressure to help you. Come on. Say, Jesus loves me, oh. And if you're being 
disciplined in any way this morning, it is to remind you that he loves you. You understand? So hear every word of rebuke, every word of correction as a signal. Wow. He's my father. He's my Lord. And he really, really loves me. I tell you, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of effort and work to discipline children, you know. Sometimes it's just easier to let them just have their way. And some parents, they just say, you, you, I'm tired. But the parent who continues to rebuke and continues to discipline, especially when the kids are hard-headed and they don't listen, but they just continue and continue. I'm not talking about abuse, but they just continue. Those parents really, really, that's a sign that they love you. You know, one of the reasons I know my mother really loved me? <laughs> Amen. That's where I learned that statement. If the children don't hear, they will feel. But this is what is happening here. Jesus is speaking from a place of love to his people, but he's not pleased with the behavior of the church at Laodicea. Now, interestingly, all the other churches that he rebukes, he would, say, he would say something good about them. He would say, but I praise you for this or I praise you for that. Nevertheless, you got this problem. Take care of it. When it comes to this church, he doesn't say anything good. But when you look at what he is charging them with, as we will see, he doesn't say, he doesn't say of them anything that they were doing that were bothering him. In other words, his concern, his disturbance was not about the fact that they were doing things or tolerating things or sinful habits. That was not what disturbed him. What really disturbed him was the fact that they were doing nothing. Hmm? It was not that they were doing evil. But it was that they were doing. Listen to me. Jesus did not save you and save me for us to simply do nothing. He has a plan, He has a purpose, He saved you. He redeemed you. He washed you in his blood. He has forgiven you of your sins. He has prepared a place for you. He has put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now Jesus wants you to be available for him to work in you, for him to work through you, for him to glorify himself by you. He wants you to be available to him so that you can be usable and you can be useful to his kingdom purpose for this world. And it irks him. It disturbs him. It makes him nauseated. It makes him want to spit. It makes him very, very displeased. When he sees sons and daughters whom he has saved and called and cleansed by his blood, made them righteous and holy and blameless in his sight, lifted them up and caused them to sit at his right hand, put his precious Holy Spirit on the inside of them, who has the power that he has and is willing to make that power available to work through them to make a difference in the world for Christ, to work in and through them to bring him glory. And... You're just sitting there. You're not hot. You're not cool. You're just indifferent. The world is going to hell and you're just indifferent. There's work to be done in the kingdom and you're just indifferent. This gospel must be taken to the whole world and you're just indifferent. You're just indifferent. If it happens, fine. If it doesn't happen, no problem. 
Just be happy. That is what he's aiming at. Let's read further. He says, I know your works. In other words, I see what you're doing. And what you're doing is really useless to me. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're not iced tea. You're not hot coffee. You're just lukewarm. Indifferent. Making no difference. You're not refreshing and invigorating anybody. You're not healing because the, the hot springs that were available were used for healing. You're not being an agent of healing and, 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 and I can't use you to make people's lives better or to do. You just, hey man, I don't want to go too Liberian, but you just pleke. That's the Liberian way of saying pleke. <laughs> I think you know what I mean, right? Hey Amen. Just, you can't count on you. Can't count on you for anything in the kingdom. When it's time for prayer, he can't count on you. You're indifferent. When the time to give, can't count on you. You're indifferent. Whether the gospel is financed or not, how the preachers are being supported, how the work is being done, how the bills are being paid, how just if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, no problem. Do you hear me? Again, if you're beginning to feel bad, it's because Jesus loves you. I don't want you to feel condemned. I do want you to feel what he feels. Because maybe if we feel what he feels about our indifference, it might provoke us to repent. And what, that is what he asks for at the end. He says, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to repent. I want you to just make a decision. You're going to change going forward. Okay, so don't feel condemned, but hey, feel what he feels. And then by the end of this, hopefully, you would have made that decision to repent. Right? Are we still here? Okay. All right. So, so because you're lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot, I will do what? Vomit you. Again, that's not loss of salvation. He just, he just wants you to understand how nauseating it is for his people to simply be indifferent. To be in a state of lukewarmness where you're not available for him, therefore you're not usable by him, and you're not useful to him. It's just nauseating. Okay? Let's go on. Now we come to what is at the root of their lukewarmness. We're now going to look at the causes or the symptoms or the characteristics of lukewarmness. And, and so let's read. He's already told them that they're lukewarm. They're indifferent. He, they're not available. Uh, he, cannot, he doesn't find them usable. He doesn't find them useful. This is really not pleasing to him at all. Their indifference really, really bothers him. And so now he's going to give us, or give them and give us a better understanding of what may be the root cause of our lukewarmness. Are you ready? Let's read together. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, Now, causes, characteristics, symptoms, however you want to describe it. This is what he's saying. The cause of your lukewarmness, you Laodicean Christians, is materialism. You say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. Now, this is what you need to know about Laodicea. Laodicea was like the city. I don't know what city to compare it, but it was the financial center of the world. It was the fashion center of the world. 
in terms of medical science at that time, it was way there on the top. So if, if you wanted to live in any city and be where the action was and have a high standard of living and have a lot of money and a lot of wealth and prosper, I don't know what city you would go to today, but back then, you would go to Laodicea. And so the people in Laodicea was very, they were very comfortable financially. They were not struggling, you know, they, they were very comfortable. And they lived for that. Are you hearing me? And so what Jesus is saying to them, and I, I suggest that for many of us, it's the same reason. He is saying the reason you are so indifferent to the things of God and to the kingdom is because you have become materialistic. You, your problem is materialism. Now, what is materialism? Materialism is when you treat as more important or you attach greater importance to material things and physical comfort than you do to spiritual things. Oh, just a few people say amen. Let me come here. Materialism is when you attach greater importance to material possessions and physical comfort than you do to spiritual things. Now, you got that, that material, you need to wear clothes, so please don't come here naked, right? I mean, you need to pay your bills, and obviously Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't take care of those things, but here's an operative word. Here's a word, you attach more importance. Say, more importance. Say it, more importance to material things, to what you wear, to where you live, to the car you drive, to the food you eat, to the ring you wear, to the jewelry you hang on your ear, to the hair. I mean, you can invest time and energy. 40 hours and 40 hours is not enough. You add another 20. Are you hearing me? And you are pursuing material possessions and physical comfort and you give yourself to that and then you find you're not available to be usable or useful to Christ in advancing his kingdom agenda. You're so busy pursuing physical comfort, material things that you are not available for prayer. Even your own personal private prayer life, you don't have it anymore. You don't have time for that, but oh, let someone call you today and say, oh, you got overtime. And you didn't have time to pray, didn't have time to get into the word, didn't have time to come to church, didn't have time to fellowship, didn't have time to do anything in the kingdom, but you get a call, oh, over time. They pay you what, one and a half? How come all of a sudden you got time when money is involved, but no time when it has to do with spiritual things? That demonstrates you are materialistic and your materialism has made you unuseful, not usable, not available, has caused you to attach very little, if any, importance to the, your spiritual well-being and to the spiritual demands of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Again, Jesus identifies for them, and you and I need to ask ourselves, what is my priority? What am I prioritizing in my life? Okay, again, there are legitimate material things that you ought to be doing as an expression of your faith in Christ, as an expression of your obedience to the Lord. You do need to work. You do need to take care of your family. But there's a, there's a difference between doing what is necessary, but keeping your, your values properly aligned. Are you hearing me? 
if material possessions and things are more important to you than spiritual things, you have an upside down worldview. And it's going to impact whether or not you are available to Christ and whether you're useful or usable by him. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. He says, if you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above. You are to set your mind on Jesus, not on anything else. There are a lot of things to do, but don't set your mind on anything other than on and pleasing him. Now he will direct you in terms of what to do with all the other things you have to do. But you've got to keep your mind, your first priority. In fact, your number one priority. In fact, I would dare say, your, in one sense, your only priority should be to please him. And then all the other things will fall in line because you're doing it to please him. So really, it's not Jesus, family, church. It's Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, it's Jesus. And if you call that fanaticism, then let's be fanatic. It's Jesus. Now, Jesus, by his spirit, will lead you to do everything else that you need to do. But you don't rank him. Okay, Jesus, you first. Then who's second? Something else? No, Jesus is A, Alpha, and that means it's B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, U, V, X, Y, Z. No, seriously, guys. He is to be our all and all. And we become lukewarm. And this really, really upsets him and bothers him when we become so materialistic and our values are so aligned with the world's that we're not available to be useful to him. So the cause for their lukewarmness and probably from ours is again, we got this thing turned upside down and instead of placing highest priority on spiritual things, we place the highest priorities on the material things. And then the material things crowd out and they use up all the time all the strength, all the energy, and you got little or nothing left to really be useful to Christ. All right? But materialism, materialism does not exist by itself. It has at least two derivatives. It gives birth to at least two other things. And these things are two the problem of lukewarmness. They are both the symptoms of lukewarmness, lukewarmness, but they also reinforce lukewarmness. It's like, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're ill, the illness causes you to lose your appetite and you don't want to eat, but not eating causes you to be more sick because you need the energy, so it's just a loop. Okay? So materialism gives birth to complacency. Notice what he said. I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of, I have need of, I have need of, oh, I hope, I hope you're still hearing Jesus. Amen. I have, in other words, one of the characteristics of lukewarm Christians and lukewarmness is you are just complacent. You feel, I don't need anything. I'm Okay. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. What more? What more do I need? Hmm? And so materialism produces spiritual complacency. Complacency con contributes to lukewarmness. It's a symptom of lukewarmness, but it contributes contribu because now you have no motivation. You just complacent it's okay you, 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 there's no yearning or desire in your heart to grow to know to grow in your knowledge of him I'm saved I'm going to heaven but there's no growing desire to know him 
Paul said, I want to know him. I have not yet obtained. I'm still reaching. I'm still pressing. This is the desire of one who is available, one who has his priorities right, one who has spiritual things far more important than material things. There is a compelling desire to want to continue to grow, to be more useful, to be more usable by, by, by the Lord, to bring the Lord greater glory, to be a greater difference maker for Christ. That is present when a believer is hot or cold. It is absent when a believer is lukewarm. Just complacent. Let me just give you a few indications of complacency in your life or in my life. Are you ready? It's a sign of spiritual lukewarmness and complacency when perhaps the only time you can pray is when you got a problem. When you got a problem, then, oh, you're on the prayer line. When you got a problem, you come to church maybe. When you got a problem, then you call the prophets to pray. The only time you really, really have a real interest in the things of God or in prayer is when you are dealing with some major issue. But when everything is going well, no big problem, nothing you can't handle, nothing you cannot tolerate, you, can't, you got no time. To spend with the Lord. No time to pray. No time to read the word. No time to get involved at church. That's a sign of complacency. Indicative of lukewarmness. Amen? Uh, here's another sign when of, of, of uh, uh, complacency. Uh, lukewarmness is when... Hmm. there's almost no difference between you and the world. I mean, really, you look like them, you talk like them, you act like them, your priorities are the same, you and them are competing for the same things. Hmm? That's a sign of spiritual complacency and lukewarmness. Are you here? Okay, I got to rush. So I could expand that, but you get the point. Materialism is at the root of most lukewarm in our lives it results in one spiritual complacency where we're not motivated to grow we're not motivated to become more and more useful what Jesus wants from every one of us harvesters what Jesus wants from me your pastor what Jesus wants from you individually and what Jesus wants for us together is that we will be motivated to keep growing amen thank God for where we are but let's have the attitude of the apostle Paul I have not yet arrived. I don't yet know him as I could. I want to know him more. There's so much more to know of him. I want to be more useful to him. I want to be more available to him. I want to be more and more and more an instrument that he can work through. I thank God for what he's done through me. I praise God to the degree that I've been used. Oh, but God, my heart craves to be a more yielded, a more yielded, a more surrendered, a more available, a more useful, a more usable vessel in your hands. I want you to find in me more and more opportunities by which you can glorify yourself through me in this world. Complacency. And for the sake of time, here's the next thing that comes out of another derivative, another thing that this materialism gives birth to. Notice what, what Jesus said. You do not know Say, you do not know. Spiritual blindness or ignorance. The more materialistic you are, the more blind you become to spiritual realities. The more unaware you are of what's really happening. The wrong assessment you would make, 
the wrong interpretation you will have of events and things because materialism will blind your eyes. And you won't notice, you won't know, you won't understand, and you will assume everything is great when in reality, in the realm of the spirit, nothing is. And what does that do? It gives, makes you a very easy victim of Satan. Let's go to the next verse. I do have to hurry. First, next verse, quick. So now, here is the answer. We've heard Jesus has expressed what he feels about lukewarmness. I hope we feel what he feels. Jesus has told us what is at the root, what are the causes and characteristics of lukewarmness. I, I hope you have grasped that. And, and if there are indications of those things in your life, then those are things you ought to be concerned about, even as Jesus was concerned about it. Now Jesus is going to provide us with the answer, the solution. And this is what he says, I counsel, you know, counseling is very popular, more and more so, counseling, but the best counselor is Jesus himself. Amen? And Jesus said, I've diagnosed your situation. I've told you what the problem is. You're lukewarm. I told you what I feel about that. I told you why you are. <laughs> Materialism, spiritual complacency, spiritual blindness or ignorance. I've shared all of that with you, but the reason I, I'm, I'm not going to leave it there because I love you. I don't want that to continue to be true of you. I want that to change. And so here's what it's going to take. Here's the solution. Here's what I want you to do. He says, I counsel you to buy from who? Me. Say me. Let me stop here. What is the answer to lukewarmness? It is, call his name. Jesus. I've always told you, and I'm going to remind you all the time, God has one answer to every question. His name is? God has one solution to every problem. His name is? God has one answer and one supply to every prayer and is? Come on, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus. If you are lukewarm, what you really need to do is take a look at your relationship with Jesus. Something is missing in your relationship with Jesus. Something, something is missing. And the solution to the problem of lukewarmness, if you want to be delivered from lukewarmness and become usable and useful to the Lord, one that he can work through to reveal the glory of the Father, then this is what you need to do. You need to come to Jesus. I didn't say come to me. You see, that's the messenger. I deliver the word, but I point you to Jesus. The messenger points you to Jesus. I'm pointing you to Jesus. You said, but I'm safe. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but I'm pointing you to Jesus. You said, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, that's why you can come to Jesus boldly because you are saved. You are forgiven of your sins. So there's no reason why you have to continue to remain in your lukewarm state when he's given you access to him who is the solution to lukewarmness. Come to him who is the faithful one and he'll make you faithful. Come to him who is the one who is true and he'll make you true. Are you hearing me? Come to the one who rules over creation and he will give you power to dominate the material world and rule over creation rather than allowing creation to rule over you. Come to him. Hey, partake of his nature and you'll be faithful. Partake of his nature and you'll be a true witness. Partake of his nature and you will reign over the material world and it will not be your master. You will be his master. You will be his Lord. You will dictate and it will not dictate to you how you spend your time, how you spend your energy. You're not going to be all night awake worrying because you're not going to have the authority that he gives you to reign and rule even over creation. Amen. He is the answer to lukewarmness. So he says to them, listen, here is my solution. I love you. I, I'm disciplined. I rebuked you just now because I loved you. And I told you that I'll spit you out of my mouth because I love you. Now let me tell you how to overcome this state. He says, you know what? Come to me. Here's the problem. You need to pay attention 
to me. You're, you're, oh, the problem is you're not paying attention to me. I'm there right at the door. I'm present, but you aren't answering the door. You aren't opening the door. You're not paying attention. You're too busy paying attention to whatever your dreams are, whatever your goals are, whatever you have planned for yourself. That's where your attention is when you need to take your attention off of that and put your attention on me. Come to me. I'm there. I'm not far. Just come. I'm here. I'm right there. I'm at the door. I'm there. I'm available. The problem is you're not giving me any attention. Your attention is on all these other things. Come to me. Your attention is on material wealth. Come to me. I will give you gold. But, but not the kind of goal that you're chasing after because the goal you're chasing after is temporary. It, it's, it, it can be destroyed. Moth and rust can corrupt. Thieves will break in and steal. It will not last and you will leave it all. Come and I will give you true riches. Riches that have been tried through the fire and have survived. I'm going to give you the riches that are eternal. The riches that you will never lose. The riches that you will have, yeah, and the riches that you will take away. And you will take two with you. I'm going to give you real riches. Come to me. I can make you rich with true riches. Hey, come to me. Come to me, come to me, come to me. You are the fashion sense of the world. Oh, yeah, ladies here. Fashion sense of, oh, you always, you, you make the best. You come up with the stars. Everybody wants to follow you. Come to me and I will show you how to dress. You, you, you think you're clothed? If you could see you the way I see you, you realize how naked you are. But you come to me and I will clothe you with the garments of a prince. I will clothe you with the garments of a prince and you will be able to appear before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords fully clad, fully covered, gloriously dressed. Come and I will clothe you with my righteousness. Come and I will clothe you with my character. Come and I will clothe you with my works. Come to me. I'm the one who has what you're really looking for. And you, 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 you're known for your medical signs and, and, and all of that. But you're blind. Your medicine, your ointment is not opening your eyes. With all of that, you're blind. Come and I will open your eyes. And you will begin to see and you will begin to hear and you will come to know things. You will no longer be walking in darkness. You will start to walk in the light. Come to me. Come to me. Behold, I'm here. I'm right here. Come to me. Give me an attention. Focus on me. I'm here. I'm the source of true riches. I'm the source of true righteousness. I'm the source of true life. Come to me. I'm standing. I'm knocking. Because I love you. I'm not going away. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm here. I'm available. Are you available? I'm paying attention to you. And here's the proof I'm paying attention. I can tell you all about your works. I'm paying attention. Problem is, you're not paying attention to me. And as a result, you're poor, you're naked, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind. And not because I don't love you but because you're not paying attention. Not because I don't love you, but because your priorities are all messed up. Not because I don't love you, but because you're too busy making yourself available to everything else that you have no time or strength or energy left 
to make yourself available to me. Raise your hand. And hear Jesus saying to you as an individual, hear Jesus saying to the church, I know your works. And for many of you, this is what I see. I see you doing nothing. I see you not available. I see you doing a lot of stuff, a lot of things. You're involved in a lot of activities. I see your works. I see all that you're doing, but you're not spending any time with me. I see all of your activities, but you're neglecting me. You're not inviting me into your life fully. You're not allowing me to be part of everything you do. You're not prioritizing your relationship with me. So repent. Repent. Make a decision. You know what? By the grace of God, Jesus gave me the power now to change. Hey! Lord, I repent. My values have been all messed up. It's been priorly, primarily a pursuit of material possessions and physical comfort. That is what has driven and motivated me. But I repent of that. Now, Lord, what's going to be my motivation? Is to be available to you at all times. My motivation will be to please you at all times. My motivation will be to be usable and useful in your kingdom. I'm going to put my mind on you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, even as your people are repenting of Ignoring the presence of Jesus in their life. Of ignoring the purpose of Christ in their life. Even as they are in repenting of their indifference. But let me say our indifference, Lord, because I too am guilty. Even as we are repenting, changing our minds. Lord, we know that we can do nothing apart from you. So thank you for enabling us by your grace to truly repent. Thank you for enabling us by your grace to truly change. Thank you for giving us that gold, true riches, tried in the fire. Thank you for clothing us in your righteousness, with your character, with your works. Thank you for opening our eyes and causing us to see with the eyes of your spirit thank you God we receive Jesus that which we need from you to live a life of passion a life of commitment a life where Christ is working in and through us hey thank you for that grace to walk in this level of obedience Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's, let's do something. Could you, could you sing the song for us, I Surrender All? Let's just take about two minutes or three minutes and that helps us to, Holy Spirit, use this song to reinforce the decision that we just made. In Jesus' name. Come on. In fact, let's stand. I think it's a good thing. Let's stand as we sing one or two of these Verses, I surrender
you begin recovering from lukewarmness by opening the door to Christ again and by prioritizing the fellowship with Jesus. He said, I will come and I sit and we'll eat and we'll celebrate with fellowship. That's where your recovery begins. Return to that place where spending time with the Lord in prayer, in the Word, just meditating upon Him, just setting your mind upon Him, just reminding yourself of His goodness and listening to Him tell you how much He loves you and open your eyes to what He wants you to do. Begin there, spending time with Him, and then out from that fellowship, allow Him to work through you to make a difference for Him. Get involved and become useful and usable to the Lord again. In Jesus' name. Now, the message was addressed primarily to those of us who are already in Christ. But there are some here who may not be in Christ. As somebody who's watching and you really have never really made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. So you're not even part of the church that he's speaking to. But he wants you to be a part. So one of the ways we can apply accurately the knocking on the door is to the unbeliever as well if you are outside of Christ he loves you too, he died for you and when, when, when he says I'm knocking at the door for you he wants you to let him in he wants you to receive him uh, let him become your savior, let him become your Lord invite him into your life as savior Lord and that's what we're going to do right now if you're watching online, if you're here and you have never really invited Christ to be the Savior of your life, the Lord of your life, right now you can do it. And when you do it right now, He will save your soul. He will forgive your sins. And then you spend the rest of your days getting to know Him. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask everybody to please us. We're going to pray this prayer together. But if you are not born again, you're not sure. I want you to pray this from your heart and pray it for yourself so that you can be saved. Amen? Church, let's help those who are here or those who will be watching to pray with us. Say, Father God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I'm lost. I cannot save myself. I am under judgment for my sins. But I know Jesus died for the sins of the world. I know he paid the price for our sins. And you require that I would place my faith in him and receive him as my Savior and Lord. And if I would do that, I will be forgiven. This day, Father God, I repent of my sins. I confess I am a sinner. I ask for grace acts for mercy. I believe that Christ died. I believe Jesus arose. I believe Jesus is coming again. And today, I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Come now, Lord Jesus. Live in me forever. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen to me. You may be seated. If you pray that prayer from your heart, whether you're watching online or whether you're in this place today, we want to now help you to grow. So this is what you can do. You can text, help me, text M-A-F, M-A-F, text M-A-F to 301-588-8099. Do it now. If you just received Christ or you want us to help you to grow spiritually, text MAF to that number. Somebody will get in touch with you and we'll begin to help you. Whether you're a young believer, a new believer, but you just know you need to grow spiritually, text MAF to that number and somebody will contact you and we will help you. If you're in this place and you just prayed to receive Christ, after the service, I'm going to be here. Please come and let me shake your hand and pray with you again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you glad you're here? Yes. All right, all right.